helping organizations win one veteran at a time. This is the Greencastle Podcast. And now your host, Dan Roberts. This individuality stuff is a bunch of crap. There's a reason why. A master of innovation. The key to this growing is you. Any rational person would give up. I can't disagree with that. Make sure that we're not prisoners of our own experiences. You need a team of great people. We'll not tolerate a loser. What they need is a common vision. Welcome to another episode of the Greencastle Podcast. Thanks for joining us today. For today's episode, we had Dr. John Sazik here in the studio with us. And if I, if I read to you the whole list of, of Dr. Sazik's accomplishments um, and references, the, the list would be over a mile long. Dr. Sazik is the chief architect of the Leadership Development Program at Penn State University. He's also a professor at Penn State University, although this year he's taking a sabbatical to help the Air Force redesign some of their leadership programs among the captains and majors in the Air Force. Um, Again, I could go on and on and on with this stuff. There is not a leadership expert out there that knows more about leadership than Dr. Sazik does. Uh, So, uh, folks, really tune into this. Get your pen and paper out. Maybe take some notes. I guarantee you're going to learn a lot in this episode. So listen to it multiple times if you have to. I really think it's going to provide a lot of value to you veterans who might be in the job search um, to understand what makes a good leader. And to understand that just because you don't have any subordinates doesn't mean you're not a leader. Um, We go into the question of are leaders made or are they born? Um, Just so much information, so much rich information here. Uh, So let's go ahead and jump right into this without further ado. This is my conversation with Dr. John Sazik. Folks, thanks again for joining us. Uh, I have John Sazik, Dr. John Sazik, here in the studio with me. and I can't tell you how excited I am to have him in the studio. John, it's, it's a great pleasure to have you. And, Dad, it's a pleasure to be here. I'm happy to help out with Greencastle. Cool. Thanks so much. So let's just jump in right here. Uh, can, can you give us a brief bio, just an abbreviated version of that, specifically the newer type stuff, uh, focusing on your full-range leadership development? Okay. So I'm originally from northeastern PA. Uh, my undergraduate degree is in accounting from King's College, accounting and information systems. So uh, a lot of your colleagues are from that part of the state. And after I graduated uh, my undergrad, I worked at RGR Nabisco as an internal auditor and budget analyst uh, for a number of years. And then I moved into the academic world and earned a doctorate in leadership and uh, management from the State University of New York at Binghamton. That was 1995, and after I graduated, I started my current job at Penn State Great Valley. So I've been there 23 years. I'm a full professor, uh, the chief architect of the Master of Leadership Development program. For many years, I ran that program, and uh, right now I'm on sabbatical year. 
working on research with the Air Force on character and leadership development. But over the years, my primary focus of research is transformational charismatic leadership and how that affects groups, teams, individuals who work in virtual teams or in traditional face-to-face settings. I've also done some work on mentoring processes and outcomes. And as I mentioned before, I'm currently working on character strengths and leadership development and how that affects performance excellence in industry and also in military settings. Over the years, I've published many articles, more than 100 articles and books. I've worked with corporations and institutions of higher education, military institutions, training leadership development. And I'm currently putting the finishing touches on the second edition of my Full Range Leadership Development book, which is scheduled to come out in May of this year. Excellent. Very cool. And I'll be honest, I, didn't, I had no idea that you had an accounting background. Absolutely no idea. Um, I always fool my students. You don't seem like an accountant. Right. But, uh, when it comes to the rigor of some of the type of studies we have to do and the statistical nature of them, yeah, very that's analytical type in, stuff. It comes in handy. Huh. That's that's awesome. That's actually very cool. And I and I appreciate that. Folks, for you listening either in your cars or at home or wherever you're listening, uh, just that little brief bio can 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 demonstrate for you what type of, of, of person this is, what type of education this man has. It's it's uh it's very, very impressive. Um, so in some of the research you've done, uh, I, I saw um, a video from the Air University. Um had an interview that you were a part of. You spoke about the uh, the four behaviors that lead to the highest team and individual performance. Um, uh, your book, Leading with Character, they, that seems to come from those. Is that correct? It comes from that book and also the research on transformational leadership. And there's four okay. aspects which correspond to those four behaviors. Okay. So let me talk a little bit about those. Yes, please. Do a little deeper dive so that the audience members will understand that. So the first one is inspiring people. So that's about getting people charged up about their work that they're performing, collaborating as a team, giving them a sense of importance, and building that team synergy that energizes them to go the extra mile. I guess one of the best examples I've ever seen is Steve Jobs. If you ever seen videos of him when he would market a product and show people that they weren't just creating a computer, for Apple. They were on a mission to create perfection to make oh, yes. their dent in the universe. So just the way that you phrase things could have an impact on getting people charged up. Sure. The second behavior is role modeling ethical leadership. And that really has two components. So that's having character strengths, leading your life, working with an essence of character in an ethical way, and also being what we call a moral manager, which means holding other people accountable and enforcing ethical standards so that you really build that ethical climate. A great example that we see in the news recently would be Gretchen Carlson and the whole sexual harassment that she underwent throughout her career in the news media and when she was a a pageant contestant for Miss America. And now she's trying to rebuild that organization to make a much more ethical climate there and throughout society. The third behavior is sparking innovation. So this is about getting people to look at processes and products and even themselves in different ways to question the assumptions that may no longer be valid, to 
get different perspectives and ideas, try different approaches, basically get people to think out of the box. A great example there would be Elon Musk. Think about how exciting it is to walk into a Tesla dealership. I go to the King of Prussia Mall, and every time I'm there, I want to go to the Tesla store <laughs> to see exactly what this product looks like and how they go about marketing this product. Absolutely, It's really, really exciting. And then with his SpaceX adventures, yes. yep. great example of what we call intellectual stimulation. It sparks innovation. And then last but not least is recognizing and appreciating character strengths. And this takes a lot of coaching and mentoring of your colleagues and appreciating the strengths that they have and building upon them. The best example that I could give of this is the iconic NFL football coach, Vince Lombardi. And he had this natural ability to know how to coach tough with certain people, to coach softer with other people. He knew what buttons to push to get excellence out of his players and, you know, they had five NFL championships, and the NFL's trophy is named after Lombardi. So that's transformational leadership in a nutshell. Oh, excellent. I love the examples that you gave. Those are absolutely perfect. I worked for Apple Computer for a long time while Steve Jobs was oh, still alive. Interesting. And, uh, yeah, you're, talk- you're talking about a, a rally cry of a person. Um, absolutely great, great example of that of that inspiring role model. Uh, and then Elon Musk, of course, I think there's a lot of us in this company specifically that's kind of Elon Musk fanboys. And a lot um, of similarities between the two as well. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I appreciate that answer. So, so from that question, from those behaviors, you said in that same video that I was watching uh, that those those that you found four character strengths um, that lead to high performance. Can you just delve into those four character strengths um, for, for the audience here? Sure. Those four character strengths are integrity, empathy, sometimes we call that social intelligence, moral courage, and self-control or willpower. The reason why they're so important is that we conducted other research with the Center for Creative Leadership in Greensboro, North Carolina. And what we found with these top executives in companies all over the world is that those executives that were the highest performers possessed these character strengths. So typically a senior level leader needs to have integrity because of the role modeling that I just talked about. They need to be able to navigate politics and build, bring in customer bases and rally their employees. So they need that empathy, social intelligence, and they need the courage to take flack when they're going to make changes that people don't like. Sure. And then that willpower really is what bolsters everything together. Right. And you, in that video, you mentioned that if you have those other three, but you don't have willpower, it's really, you don't have a whole lot of anything. Am I correct in saying that? The willpower is like, uh, uh, think of it as a thermostat. It's a regulator of the environment. So our leadership comes across in four ways. It's based on our innate predisposed traits that we have. It's also based on how we feel about ourselves and other people. In other words, our emotions. It's based on what we think about, our cognitions, and it's based on what we do. What self-control does, it's a master virtue in that it regulates whether we're going to either use a trait that we have or set it aside because maybe too much of a certain trait could be a bad thing. So, for example, too much bravery could be recklessness. So it's really using experience to kind of temper things down. It also has control over 
when we get angry or upset initially and we react to some bad news, well, maybe you need to kind of take more time, gather more information, talk to other people, and step back so that you can make a more self-controlled and a better decision. It also regulates when we're going to use those four behaviors that I talked about. So think of it as like the master control. Okay. And as a matter of fact, the researchers have dubbed it the master virtue because it is the controller of all those other processes. Excellent. That's that's awesome information. So that's the master virtue being that, that willpower and that self-control. Moving back to the character strengths, um, do you have any examples that you can give that would help us to maybe understand this even better? Sure. This came from Air University when we were spending time there. We talked with majors uh, in the U.S. Air Force, Army, and also international, allied international officers. And we asked them to give us examples of how they display with their subordinates uh, bravery, social intelligence, uh, integrity, and self-control. So let me give you an example for each. So in terms of bravery, there was a U-28 pilot and his crew who were tasked with provide coverage uh, and providing watch over a special forces ground unit. And they were told by the command unit to cease their watch and to go look for a high-value individual. But they had a sense that things weren't okay on the ground and they should stick around a little bit longer. So the pilot pulled his crew and they decided that they should stay with it. So they refused the command and even though this could have been an issue that could affect the pilot's career because he disobeyed the command, in the end they made the right call because there was something they had to take care of later on the ground. And if they left the unit would be in trouble. Hmm. So they were finally backed up in the future by uh, the higher-ups. So that's a great example of bravery, knowing when to stick to your guns and uh, despite the risk to your career. Absolutely. Another example I want to give is for social intelligence. There was a USAF exchange officer who was working in Japan, and he mentioned how the differences in the cultural values and behaviors in the U.S., of course, very individualistic, and our culture sets up walls between groups and in the military. They really value and glorify this image of Rambo and getting things done in, in that approach. However, in Eastern cultures, with the Japanese forces and the South Korean forces, they're more open to consensus. It's a little more humble approach to their leadership. And they work more like a group of detectives solving a crime. So when he was there, he had to train his U.S.-based crew to assimilate into that type of culture, to understand that and kind of tone down their approach. So that was an example of social intelligence. So the next example I'll talk about is integrity character strength. There was an Air Force chaplain who had to fire a 70-year-old church organist. This is a woman who turned into a thief after working there for 30 years. Now, this wasn't the easiest thing to do because the firing caused a lot of conflict in the unit because they had loved this woman for many years because she was seen as the little old lady, uh, and she started bad-mouthing his leadership. But after things turned out, uh, everything was above table and everybody found out about things, 
He did the right thing. He followed the procedure. He enforced that ethics that I talked about before. So he was the moral manager. So standing up and for the integrity, despite getting flack from other people. Sure. Great example of integrity. Oh, excellent. Uh, next example, last example is self-control, which we talked about before as being the master virtue, the one that's really, really important. There was an airman who mentioned that he taps his self-control almost every day, and he said that he's, despite this, he's challenged by it because he always gets these initial negative reactions and emotions to things. If something flares up and he'll respond negatively, it gets him upset. And in order to overcome that, what he does is he uses these self-reflecting questions to try to level his emotions. And he'll consider the root causes of why he's thinking, why he's reacting to things to kind of slow down his thinking process so that he doesn't have those initial responses to get a better response in the future. Even though he does this, he says that oftentimes he still loses his temper, he still judges things as unfair, he still complains, his heart races, and he oftentimes loses time and energy to that process. But what he gets out of it is that he becomes more self-aware, he slows down the thinking process, and in the end he reduces his anger and frustration. So self-control is not as easy as we say it is to put into practice, but it's something that we all need to be aware of because it does affect how we feel, what our predispositions are for our behavior, and also uh, how we think about things. Man, excellent. Thank you for those examples. That uh, gives a perfect example for each one of those character traits. Thank you. Um, so let's move a little bit into the, the deep dive into this leadership according to the Greencastle, according to the Greencastle definition of it. Uh, here at Greencastle, we define leadership as uh, a consultant that sets the example for other consultants and who's recognized by others as a positive influence on the organization. Um, so Greencastle is a company, a company full of high performers. We've historically uh, hired high performers, and we're all consultants. Um, so each of us have different projects. We have different clients. We, we may or may not even have subordinates that we lead. Um, but that doesn't necessarily mean we aren't leaders if we don't have subordinates. Um, how can we convey that to the, to the veteran community? Just because you don't have subordinates doesn't mean that you're not a leader. That's a challenge to a lot of people. So let me try to clarify that. So leadership, plain and simple, is about influence, influencing other people. So whether it's at work or it's at home or if it's at the community level, there are always people looking to us to listen to what we have to say. So we need to be very careful about what we're thinking how we're feeling about different things, how other people are feeling, because if we ignore their feelings or what's going through their mind, we won't be able to react to them. We won't know what buttons to push like Lombardi was able to do, or we're not going to be able to get the best result. So you don't necessarily have to have subordinates, direct reports to have influence a lot of people work in teams, and when you're working in teams, you're influencing the members of the team. You might have staff who support your work. They're not your direct report, but you're influencing how they contribute to your project. Your consultants are dealing with customers, they're dealing with suppliers, they're dealing with competitors, and they're always on a stage. 
So being able to exert influence in a positive way is really the leadership that they display. Okay. Yeah, that's great. So, so in, uh, in all of your time spent with military folks, and I know it's been extensive, cor- correct me if I'm wrong, you're, you're helping to redesign the leadership program at the Air University. Is that kind of your role right now? We have provided input on how they could improve their education, and we're studying how character can impact mission accomplishment and their psychological well-being of the majors and the captains in their institution. Okay. Okay. Excellent. So you do have a lot of a lot of uh, dealings with military folks, um, whether in the classroom or on site at Air University. Yeah, many military students over the years at Penn State. That's true too. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. Um, including some folks from Greencastle. By exactly. the way, we were talking about that before the show, and he's actually uh, he's actually taught a lot of the Greencastle folks. Um, so, do you find that military folks have natural leadership traits, or or do they enter military service the same as everybody else, and then they just learn leadership? Um, maybe it's a little bit of both. Do you find anything normal in a military person? That's the all-important famous question of whether leaders are made or born. And what we know from the research now, maybe over the last 10 years, is that only 30% of leadership emergence comes from genetics, comes from the inherited traits. That leads... 70% of the variation to things like life experiences, program BA programs, leadership programs, leadership development programs, work experiences. So there's a lot of room for improvement. So we really can't tell whether when you see someone in your organization or another uh, veteran, whether it was innate or whether it was learned. But I think this says a lot about military cultures that really build and foster that leadership ability. Take, for example, I know from working with the Air Force that they have these three core values, integrity first, service before self, and excellence in all we do. And that translates really well into a corporate world because when you think about excellence in all we do, it's all about continuous personal improvement, continuous process improvement, and it works really well with that whole mindset that's been in business for many, many years. Of course, integrity is key to ethical leadership, and leaders are called to do more and more of that because of all the corporate scandals over the years. And teamwork requires service beyond self. So these are things that really benefit the veterans and make their transition into the corporate world a little easier than some traditional workers that come up through uh, colleges. Sure. Man, this is uh, this is where the rubber meets the road. This is perfect because uh, you're absolutely correct. I mean, in talking about, you know, a lot of the, a lot of the emphasis that the military puts on um, things like leadership and teamwork and experience, um, yes, go ahead. Yeah, what I saw when I was at Maxwell Air Force Base was that one of the things they use is a trial-by-fire, step-by-step building of strengths where they'll put their airmen or even their guests through little tests that get them ready for the big test and surprise people and give feedback along the way. That's an awesome way to develop strengths. Sure, absolutely. And so we don't see enough of that in corporations because... When I worked in corporate or what I've heard from my students or what I've seen with some of our clients is that it's a sink or swim. Well, read the training manual. I don't have the time to deal with this. But 
the military takes the time to provide that feedback. And that's really essential to leadership development. Sure. That's great. Uh, it's really great. So, so let's let's speak to the veterans directly. Then, let's uh, can they do better in this area? Can they focus on anything in addition to obviously the military trial by fire kind of deal? Um, do you ever find that veterans enter the civilian workforce expecting to be in a leadership role, and, and can they do better at that? Most of the vets that I've seen work with through my classes or through consulting they have awesome technical skills and great leadership experience from what they've learned in their service the difficulty is making the translation into the corporate world because in the corporate world they've got to navigate a degree of uh, let's call it uh, political swamps that they weren't used to I mean, there's politics everywhere in every environment, but it's a little bit different in corporate. And the profit motive and the fast pace and the lack of training and development emphasis compared to in the military makes that transition very difficult for them. So that's the challenge for them. They've got a certain set of skills that outdo the people coming through colleges, but yet they need to learn that transition. Sure. Okay, that's good. So when they're writing a, a resume or going through an interview with a potential employer, um, what areas should that veteran then focus on so that he's not coming across as, you know, I should be in a leadership role? Just what are the, what are the values that he should be focusing on in that interview or resume? Yeah, I'll get to that, but I wanted to mention one other thing is that to try to help them make that transition, I would recommend that when they first join an organization, they spend the first week or two meeting face-to-face, building relationships with the key players that they're going to have to deal with on the job. Sure. Learn who the power people are, learn the skill sets that's required, and find the niche where they could use their particular strengths to their benefit and excel, and then lead by example. So that'll help them with that transition in the future. In terms of what they should present themselves as, I think it's the same as what a lot of companies are looking for. So on that resume, they need to highlight their experiences being a team player. They need to highlight that, and this is something that military people have over corporate people, their mission focus and being mission driven, that they're very much doing whatever it takes to get that overall job done without getting sidetracked. Another thing that's key is showing that you're an effective communicator and also an ethical leader. And last but not least, what I mentioned before, that you are an innovator and you're able to think out of the box and you do like to spark innovation. Okay, that's excellent advice. That's perfect because um, even on even on past episodes that we've recorded, um, they've made the point about being that that, that mission focused, that mission driven, um, being a, a huge asset. And I really appreciate you making that point as well. Not even having necessarily heard maybe one of those others, um, but that's a that's an awesome point. Seeing the big picture, which means means being mission driven really comes from strategic thinking and that strategic thinking is shaped through all their experiences in the military sure so they do see that and that's inspirational motivation that i talked about before that uh steve jobs was so good at 
Yeah, absolutely. No, that's great. And and for you folks listening, especially if you're a veteran, um, we've talked about this before. Um, and maybe you're coming uh, out of the military, having been somebody in the infantry or something to that effect, and you're not you, you're not going into the corporate world kicking down doors. You're not going into the corporate world, you know, uh, literally fighting the enemy. Um, but you do have you do have the experience that knows what the mission is and how to accomplish a mission. You have that experience that knows what your what your commander's intent is, uh, which now is not necessarily your commander; it's just your boss. Um, their intent, and, and because you have that intent and you have the experience of the military, you you now um, have that mission focus just through military experience that, that gets that job done. Um, anything you want to expound on that or, uh, you know, feel free. What we found is that those four behaviors, first being being that mission-driven focus, that inspirational motivation that Steve Jobs was so good at, these are interrelated. Because oftentimes when you get people excited, you get them excited about a purpose that's tied to the values, the core values of the organization. These are important things that in the military you're living and dying for. Uh, and so if you could do that in a way that's unique, different, innovative, you're going to get people really charged up about the mission. But it takes a lot of coaching. It takes a lot of mentoring that we mentioned before. It takes a lot of a looking beyond what you're good at, but to learn what someone else's strengths are and try to fit the person in the right job. Sure. Sure, and if if you're listening, if you have to rewind this all, please do. But if you're if you're noticing, we're going back to those those initial character strengths. We, Dr. Sazik is just mentioning those character strengths again and again, um, hitting on those. So you can see how important they are. Again, from somebody who's done the research for for twenty three twenty three plus years uh, on this stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so yeah, that's that's great information. Thank you for that. So, Greencastle is obviously committed to hiring veterans. Um, most employers nowadays are are committed to hiring veterans uh, or have some type of veteran hiring program. Um, there are very few people that have worked with as many veterans as you have, just having been at the at the uh, Air University. Um, what's one thing you'd like for the hiring managers specifically to know about veterans when they consider them for a position? I'd like them to realize that veterans have seen it all. The challenges that they have overcome gives them great experiences and uh, talents and strengths that they could use and apply to the challenges that the corporations are facing today. And the other thing I've noticed is that veterans don't come across quite as entitled or whiny as we see some of the other people who have come up through other avenues have because it's expected in the military. The vets are focused on getting the job done. Uh, They have a positive attitude about working with people. They want to learn more about other people. And they love to contribute to the overall mission because they've already made the sacrifice for their country. Excellent. Thank you. So so is there anything else you'd like our audience to know, both veteran and and, uh, hiring managers alike? I like to quote Herb Kelleher, the great founder of Southwest Airlines, and he once said, the business of business is people. It always was and it always will be. So what this means is that we need to present ourselves and our companies as looking to develop our staff, their strengths, and to put them in the right position where they could really shine 
and maximize the company's effectiveness. If you build people up one at a time, put them in the right role, you're going to build your company's effectiveness. Excellent. And that's what we found in the research. Sure. Excellent. Very good. That's, that's great, great, great input there. So where can our audience connect with you? Do you mind that they connect with you? Not a problem. They can connect with me a number of ways. Email is jjs20 at psu.edu. You could find me on LinkedIn. I have a LinkedIn page. And I'm on the web at website is sites, that's S-I-T-E dot P-S-U dot E-D-U slash J Sasek. Excellent, folks. And we'll put that in the show notes as well, just in case you, for whatever reason, want to contact him. Again, he is a wealth of knowledge, and, and I don't think you'll go wrong if you need any, any information specifically regarding leadership from him. Dr. Sazek, thank you so much for joining us. Dan, it's been my pleasure. It's great to help Greencastle out in this way, and all my best to the veterans. Thank you. That was my conversation with Dr. John Sazek. If you have any questions at all, please feel free to contact us here at podcast at greencastleconsulting.com or just go to the website, greencastleconsulting.com, and poke around there, find whatever you want. Um, But please feel free to contact us anytime, anywhere, about anything, and we'll get back to you as quickly as we possibly can. Thanks for joining us again for this podcast episode on leadership. Join us again in two weeks for another episode on teamwork. Uh, We'll be doing a deep dive into teamwork. Thanks again for joining. I hope you have a good week.